Hello and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie and I'm here with my sister Joy and today we're going to be discussing a book called You Want Fries With That? So You Want Fries With That was a book that Joy and I both listened to on Audible and it's by Pralo Alexander. Is that, isn't that how he said his name? I think that's how he pronounced it, yeah. Pralo Alexander and it was released December 10th of 2013 so it's been out a while. It was narrated by a gentleman named David Mor- Morantz, and it is six hours and nine minutes long, so it wasn't too bad. No, you know? it seemed like a pretty quick listen. Six hours is, you know, for you and I, that's that's not a lot. Mm-mm. No, it was pretty quick, so, and it received five and a half stars. So, just real quickly. Five um, and a half? Yeah. Out of five? I just wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down five and a half stars. Okay. Wow. Someone gave it an extra star, <laughs> an extra hey, half a star. It. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it was a typo. Anyway. Um, so here's the, here's how the summary reads. Ever fantasized about quitting your job and starting over? Prelo Alexander did just that. Here is his laugh out loud, funny, endearing, and humbling exploration of life at minimum wage. Alexander walked away from a lucrative career as an advertising executive. Over the next year, he worked minimum wage jobs as a pizza delivery man, ice cream scooper, construction worker, ER technician, and even a cowboy on a Montana dude ranch. He reveals a side of America that is rarely seen and questions the state white-collar notions of a deeper, more meaningful life beyond the cubicle. Prelo proves unequivocally that the grass is not always greener on the other side. So, Joy... How did you come across this book? I think this was one of the Audible originals. I think this was a freebie. Yeah. Which I'm shocked because I'll just go ahead and say it right now. I loved this book. Yeah. It was hilarious. Mm -hmm. He said things that need to be said. Mm -hmm. And he just seems like a really humble, realistic guy. I loved, love, love this book. Yes. And if I recall, it's been a while since... We're really behind on our podcast, so we're kind of, they're kind of building up on us. We've read, now we've listened to or read several books. We just haven't had time to do a podcast over them. But what I remember is you calling one night and saying, I want you to listen to this book Mm -hmm. and just kind of tell me what you think. And and I was like, what's it called? And you're like, you, you want fries with that? Well, Mm -hmm. just the title alone kind of made me chuckle. Yeah. And anyway, it wasn't long till I was listening to it and I was just laughing and well, I'll have to say, mm-hmm. remember back to the old Bobby Bones thing? Oh, yeah. And I kept tr- convincing <laughs> oh, were, so were you like leery to ask yes. me? So or, you were, you were leery say. to be high on this book because you were afraid so I wouldn't like it? if you've ever listened to our podcast before, I just kept on and on and on about this bare bones book and how funny it was. <laughs> yeah. And then when Angie listened to it, she's like, yeah, it is okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then I read this book mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh. This blows Bobby Bones away. This is like, has some true, mm. to me, true laugh out loud moments. Many, many laugh yes, out loud moments. Yes, I agree. But when I called you, <laughs> I knew if I built it up and was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, so I just played it cool. I was like, just mm-hmm. listen yeah. to this and tell me what you think. Yeah, I've noticed that lately. Several times you've called me. It's like, mm, just give this book a listen and tell me what you think. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't build it up in any way. If yeah. she even thinks it's a tenth as funny as I do, mm-hmm. did you think it was yes. funny? Okay, so and I've, I've discovered something. You know, we talk about things being laugh out loud funny. Yes. Well, there's two categories of laugh out loud. There's the okay. one that makes you laugh out loud, and then there's the one that makes you snort. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this book made me snort. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, it's seriously. Snort worthy. It was snort worthy. Okay. I mean, I'm telling you, there were many times that I was driving down the road yes. and listening to this, or maybe even back in my bedroom, and I would just laugh out loud, uh-huh. and my daughter would come in there and go, What's so funny, mommy? There- it is a. Tell me, is this all yes. a true laugh out yes. loud book? There was a couple of times I was listening to it as I was falling asleep and I would just bust out laughing and giggle. And my husband was like, Corby was like, what is so funny? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's just this book I'm reading. The way so he described funny. the customers and the ice cream shop, mm-hmm. the way he <laughs> described the training to be the pizza boy. I mean, he is hilarious. Yeah, he is very 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 funny yes. okay so all right so we've established it's a very funny super book funny super book. funny but now i will say this because like you know how you were hesitant to to 
to, you know, um, help me here. You were hesitant recommend to just really or... recommend and just and, and really uh, brag on this yeah. book. Well, so we were driving home the other day, and, and we're occasionally we'll listen to our podcast when we're driving home. Me and mm-hmm. Corby will just to help if it's a long trip, just to help pass the time. Yeah, I was like, oh, you've got to listen to this book, and so I start, I put in you want fries mm-hmm. with that, and I found a certain spot and. It was just kind of, I don't know if it was just because he was listening. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it did not seem funny. So now there's like a psychological aspect to this. Maybe it's because you just threw it into the middle of the book. Yeah. You didn't start from the beginning. And I thought there's almost this pressure when you're listening with someone else. Like you just want them to think it's funny. Yes. And and I finally got to the part where these girls were sampling the ice cream. And he thought that was kind of funny. But I didn't ever feel that same euphoria that I felt in the beginning. See, that's how I feel with you. I'm like, oh, I want Angie to think this is funny. Yes. as I do but yes. then I'm like okay don't build it up because if she right. doesn't it's gonna hurt and that's anyway. what I'm afraid like our listeners I'm afraid that if we build it up so much that they're gonna listen to it and they're gonna be expecting too much but honestly I mean it was you know we you both thought it was funny if you have a sense of humor at all I just feel like you will there will be some laugh out loud moments for right. them so let's just give some examples just okay. so they'll kind of know what we're talking about so uh, some of the jobs that he so, so he was a high uh, he was a a white collar worker. He worked for an advertising agent. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was pretty high up the ladder and made a lot of money. Yes. And then one day, he just just had had it, and he's like, "I'm, I'm done with this." Mm-hmm. And he just kind of had been exploring this idea of, you know, what would it be like? And he was just he jokingly told a guy at a party that he was a pizza delivery man, mm-hmm. and that it was like a lawyer. And the he the guy the lawyer was like, "No, really, man. What what do you really do for a living?" Yeah. And he said it just really took him aback that that was his reaction, mm-hmm. and it kind of pushed him forward to really explore some of these minimum right. wage jobs. So some of the jobs he actually worked at was an ice cream scooper. He was a pizza delivery guy. He worked uh, construction for a while. Mm-hmm. He was an, an, emer- uh, was an emergency Some room sort tech. Some sort of ER tech or something. Uh-huh. He tried to get on at a big box company, but they never did call him after he submitted his application. Yeah. And then he was a he was like a foreman on a some type of uh, chuck wagon like a dude, dude ranch, ranch trail deal. or something like that. So let's talk about just for a minute. Now, what was your, did you have a favorite part of the book? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to choose because there were so many funny parts, but I think my favorite part was where he talked about scooping the scream. Mm-hmm. So scooping the scream is when he worked at this ice cream parlor and he was kind of having fun. He was enjoying it. And like one of the college kids said, wait till you hit your 5,000th pink. Cause <laughs> what do you mean by that? He was, you know, the little pink spoons you give samples. And he just goes into this whole diatribe about how people, basically they'll try 20 different flavors and then they'll order something totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, and in other words, they mean once you worked at an ice cream parlor and you've uh, given a customer the 5,000th pink spoon to taste the ice to cream, sample. Mm-hmm. that's when you break. That's when you hate the job. That's when you hate the customers. But the way he tells it, oh, it yeah. is so funny. He, he goes through the exact conversation he had with every customer, and then he said, now repeat that conversation over another mm-hmm. thousand times. You and know? I just love the way he observed the customers, and he categorizes them. Now, I will say, he does talk about weight some, and mm-hmm. I know that... Um, overweight people like me probably would be yeah (laughs) well i'm just saying if you're overweight i could see being offended yeah uh he does make a few fat jokes so i could Mm -hmm. see if someone were overweight i could see them get offended at some of the jokes i thought about that he he, kind of said it more in a way of being healthy and not yeah i don't know how to explain it the way i took it was he was more concerned about your health yeah i didn't ever take it that he blatantly was just making fun of fat people Mm -hmm. but he you know in his observations it was true though there was a group of people that would come in that were overweight and they tended to act a certain way yes you know and and it was very it was very funny and i'm kind of like you i'm not miss skinny pants or nothing so (laughs) i you know i don't feel like because i was laughing at it you know it wasn't because i was laughing at because people were overweight. It was just funny and, the yeah, way he said And then the way he described all the pizza boys as being stoners, you know, yeah. on a pot. But then later he says no. He expected them all to be that way. But he said next thing you know, he's working with Eddie Haskell and, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the Beaver. And, you know, he names off all these Richie and 
uh, Potsy, he names all these clean cut people. So, even though he kind of generalizes and maybe some people might take it as offensive, in the end, he usually compliments yes. people. He's complimentary of their work ethic yeah. and what type of people they are and how that, that they, it's not their fault they're there. It's, exactly. And that's the, to me, that that's the whole point of the book mm-hmm. is he's wanting us to see that these are people who are trying to make a living, who deserve our respect mm-hmm. and who, who deserve um, a little bit more respect as far as tips go and yeah. how we treat them and how our economy could not make it without these I do think it's funny that he talked about the pizza delivery boys. Mm -hmm. By the time they do their maintenance and pay their gas and all that, sometimes they're just breaking even or Mm -hmm. even losing money. Right. And it's funny because right after I had read this book, lo and behold, I had the conversation with someone. We had ordered pizza and they had said, I'm not leaving them a tip. They pay them good enough there, I'm sure. And I said, I don't know. According to this book I just read, Mm -hmm. so they're not breaking even and, and anyway the I late, think they depend on their the tips long yeah. story short is right after I read this book it's an older lady and I understand it's a different generation she's mm-hmm. like I'm not leaving a tip and I thought well well my husband and I always leave at least a five dollar tip yeah because it's usually some and it's poor little college kid who's mm-hmm. driving an old beat up car that barely runs and I was so glad he said at least leave a five, mm-hmm. at least make it worth their time out there. And he made he made the comparison with a waitress. They're in the restaurant. They bring you a few drinks. They bring you your food, and they make some pretty big tips. Mm-hmm. And then you got this poor little guy or girl or whoever mm-hmm. driving all over in their own vehicle and bringing your dinner to your front door. Yeah, bringing it to your front door, mm-hmm. and they're lucky. He said, you know, to get a one or two dollar tip. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just talking about how stingy a lot of people are with their yeah. tips. And he says never again will he leave a tip less than five dollars for yeah. the pizza delivery boy and i yeah. totally agree with that and when i'm at sonic you know i used to always i was always real which i'm very structured in the way i think about everything i wish i could get out of this box i'm in but you know i'm always thinking okay 10 percent. you know i always want to give right. 10 to 50 percent. but now like, especially after reading this book like mm-hmm. when i'm at sonic or somewhere i don't think in terms of what my overall cost was mm-hmm. i think in terms of this little girl's trying to make some money. Exactly. And I'm going to give her the, the, however much I can, the best, the best that I can. And I will say yeah. a lot of times the people serving me are my students, people Aww. I've had in class. And a lot of times I know their story. Mm-hmm. I know that they're hard workers. I know what kind of person they are. And I'll try to give a little bit bigger tip just because I know that, you know, that they're out there busting it, just trying to make a few mm-hmm. extra dollars. Yeah. So I know we've already talked about the, the ice cream, but just... Just this is just one of the things that some we're talking about how he categorized people in this. Mm-hmm. To me, that was one of the funniest sections. Yeah. So he talked about the pinks. He talked about there's a group of college girls that would come in who were overweight. And then there was a group he called the beautiful people. Yeah, that was funny. There was a group he called the ear touchers, the long suffering dads, and the towel throwers. Do you Aww. want to explain who the towel throwers are? The towel are? throwers are people who are just so obese and so overweight. They're like, just forget it. I'm not even going to pretend I'm on a diet. I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> this is, I'm just going to order one of everything. Yeah, yeah, but to me, the funniest part of the book was he would describe, okay, if there were college girls in line and the beautiful people came in. Yeah, that in. was my favorite part of that, was how the how the different categories interacted. They yes. size up body mass, first yeah. of all. <laughs> yeah. And then they... It, you just have to read it. Oh, well, he, it said, he said something like body mass is exchanged. Yeah, you body know, mass info is exchanged. Yeah, and then like the ear touchers were the really rich women, really who wealthy did, women who didn't have to work, and they're always tanned, and they're constantly comparing how much they pay for their maid service. Yes, and had the fifty gallon purse. Yes, and how they're always just so busy; they don't have time. They're always super interested in an article or on their phone or on their phones yeah. or they're whispering to the to their girlfriend that's next to them yeah, yeah. it was, was very funny. interesting to hear how he categorized everything and yeah. but more interesting is how those they interacted, interacted. Yeah. it was fascinating how he how he described all and that. to me one of the funniest parts was when he was uh the pizza delivery guy mm-hmm. he one of the on his first night they showed him how to clock in and he said he was on this ancient computer mm-hmm. that was probably around during like the, when the first computers were invented yeah and they were like, okay, hit enter twice, hit the number two, 22, now hit enter again twice. Space no, bar. Space enter, bar, space enter. bar, enter. Tw- and he's like, and he said, oh my God. He goes, I am not smart enough to be a pizza delivery yeah. man. <laughs> and so he asked his boss, you know, why do we hit enter four times? <laughs> he's like, it's just how it is. Go with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it is very, that he's always talking about the training and the employees and just uh-huh. his experiences. It. 
I highly recommend this book. And then one of the stories when he was delivering the pizza that I thought was so funny was the guy was kind of stoned. They had ordered the pizza. And he called him. He's like, can you tell me again where you live? I can't find your address. He goes, well, there's a bunch of people standing out front of the apartment building. And and Prelo (laughs) says, well, can you give me a landmark that won't move away? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was funny. um, Did you like the part about the when he was the construction worker? Yeah, I thought that was good. Um he does kind of go into how messed up it all is. Mm-hmm. How they're always, the con- contractors are always one job behind. Like, they're whatever job they're doing at the time is to pay the people from the last job. Mm-hmm. So, they're always one job behind. It was interesting to hear kind of how all that works. Yeah, and there was a lot of suspicions I've always had about, like, contractors. Mm-hmm. And he kind of affirmed some of those yeah. beliefs I have. That con- Like, the contractor he worked for mm-hmm. was... Con- constantly lying to the homeowner about when things would be done yeah and like he said he had a friend who was a contractor and he was very honest and Mm -hmm. always on time he said but this guy couldn't even say a sentence without lying yes to the the homeowner yeah and the to me the best part was because he would talk about okay the roof guys would come in and then the 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 floor guys and yeah then, he categorized all them he, and how they all had different would, personalities yes and it was so funny and then the plumbing so each i liked how he mentioned jeff gordon and how one of them said you know one of them he was a hero to one and another one said oh i forgot about that yeah, they, remember how they were discussing jeff gordon and, and some of them thought he was a pansy and yeah some didn't. i just thought uh, it was funny how he just he brought in the conversations and he showed mm-hmm. you how each group was different and how, and how some talked yes. and some didn't so the best part of that was you know it was just so funny to hear the personalities of the different groups that come in mm-hmm. but the but the best part was he said he said on one of the very last days of the job he said this man pulls up in this dilapidated mm-hmm. old truck it's falling apart he says there's no pain on it it's just pitiful he said the guy walks in looks like he doesn't have a dime to his name mm-hmm. he says he goes in he does all this finishing work i'm guessing mm-hmm. he means like the trim, trim yeah and doing, you know like custom made type cap yeah. trim and cabinets and things like that and he said it was beautifully done he said it was mm-hmm. expertly done like mm-hmm. everything was just fit perfectly and he said when he was leaving he's like hey if you don't mind me asking how much did you make for this job i think you i forget how many hours he was there and he was mm-hmm. like uh probably three thousand yeah he made they figured it up he was making what uh like after 150 an hour yeah whatever it was he blew away mm-hmm. I- anybody that had been there and what he was making but by looking at him you would have never right. dreamed that he made yeah. that kind of money so okay so is there anything else uh you, you no, want to mention about some of the think, jobs no i just think we need to let the readers read it and uh yeah and uh i don't want to give too much away you know right. if they want to read the book but um there Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all I had to say. Uh, there was one part in the book uh, that he talks about how spoiled we are as Americans. Oh, yeah, that's true. He did. Um, there are many, many times in the book that he really brings home how blessed we are mm-hmm. as a nation here in the United States. And um, he makes some really good, valid points throughout the book. Yeah. There reminding was... us how blessed we are and how our problems are nothing compared to these third world countries' problems. Yeah. I want to say it was three or four paragraphs long. And I would love to be able to just take that and just cut and paste it onto, I don't know, Facebook, whatever, and mm-hmm. just and just let the world read it, beca- yeah. or at least Americans anyway. Uh, because of everything he said, I agreed with 100%. To me, one of the biggest points of the book was we get in these really <clears throat> good, white-collar, high-paying jobs. And we're still and not we happy. And we complain mm-hmm. about those jobs and the being on the hamster wheel. But why are we in those jobs? Because we want to... We want stuff. We want the mm-hmm. bigger house, the bigger car. But he also made the point, okay, he and his wife are willing to do without. They don't have to have this. They don't have to that. He said, but, man, reality hits home fast. Mm-hmm. you got to have food and uh, insurance, grocery bill, insurance, and water, gas, electric, electric, gas. Utilities. You know, just mm-hmm. to, like he said, you have to pay out the behind just to live in the United States. Right. So his point is... One of the reasons we're stuck in these miserable jobs that we hate is because we just want more and more and more materialism. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you there's basic things you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. You have to pay rent or a house payment, maybe, or a car or insurance or groceries, your light bill. You want your air con, you know, your electric bill. So he made some good points, and he, and another good point he made was. A lot of people were not dealt a fair hand, and they are stuck in these minimum wage jobs, and it's really not enough to make right. to even make 
make it the basics. Yeah, I mean, I loved it when he talked about, you know, people, some people that were kind of born, um, they were born into good families. Mm-hmm. They were born into wealth. Or the ones that or the maybe ones looked down their who looked down on. And, and he's like, hey, you know, some, and he, he just reminds people that there are people out there who weren't born into good families. Right. That their mom was a crack addict or their, yeah, or their dad died mom. or they were lived in a single. And it talks about how, how much harder it is for that person to even get an education, to even get a job, right. you know. So I just thought that was a really good reminder so not, not a, to be judgmental yeah, of people. it's not a fair playing field, and we can't, right. you can't just look down your noses at people who are in these minimum wage jobs, because he made another good point. You take out all middle management and white-collar jobs, and what's going to happen to the United States? Not nothing. Much. He said nothing. Nothing. Right. He said, but you get rid of uh, all of these minimum wage workers, and the country's going to collapse, mm-hmm. you know. Right. They're, they're definitely the wheels of the country. It's keep funny, it though, and I don't even want to get into politics, <clears throat> but um, because there's incentives not to work, you mm-hmm. know, and they're always giving all these um, stimulus checks and all this benefits at welfare and all that, there's incentive not to work now. And I was reading, uh, watching a show on it the other night, a news story on it, and they were showing just sign after sign after sign of people wanting work. Mm-hmm. They need workers. There's a McDonald's paying a three, mm-hmm. $300 bonus just to get someone to work that minimum wage job wow. because they cannot get people. And then on my way home, I uh, went and got my hair done today after school. And on my mm-hmm. way home, I saw several signs, help wanted, we need help, we need mm-hmm. workers. When there's incentive not to work... Uh, all these minimum wage jobs are going unfulfilled, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, so here's, let's have a little fun. Okay. Okay, so uh, what was your first minimum wage job, What did you, and what did you do Okay, that so this is funny. So what our listeners really need to know is how shy we were, right? When yeah, we were, extremely I shy. I feel like we were both extremely shy yes. growing up. Um, Crippled, crippling yes, shy. Yes, like I think we may have said this before, but I remember when we would go to football games or basketball games and our friends would wouldn't go get a coke or a hot dog or something at the concession stand mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to because it would mm-hmm. mean having to walk in front of people yes and i remember if we were at a football game i would walk go and walk behind the bleachers and my friends would go where are you going mm-hmm. they were perfectly content and what's to walk funny is i don't think our friends realize how shy we were i, I think, think we kept so it either. i think we kept it hidden pretty well i do yeah. too but i remember if i had my choice i would walk behind the bleachers because i didn't uh, want to walk i still in front do that to this day Me a too. lot mm-hmm. so ha- having mm-hmm. said that very shy um not very outgoing when we were teenagers i've changed a lot since then but we used to go to this little convenience store for lunch when we were in high school. We had an off-campus lunch if we wanted it. So a bunch of us would walk down a few blocks from our school and go to this little convenience store. And back then it was called Fields or Totopoke. I can't remember. I think it was Totopoke. I think mm-hmm. it had gone from Fields to Totopoke. So they were like a little convenience store with a little gas pump out front. And they did sell like burritos and uh, I don't remember what all they anything had there. Anything fried Maybe and fried bad for chicken. you. Yeah. yeah, anything fried and bad for you. And I'll never forget, um, it was towards the end of school. Uh, I think it was uh, my junior year. And one of the managers, a lady that we knew worked there, and she said, um, I think you would be a good worker. What do you think about working here this summer? And she goes, you're one of the twins, right? And I go, yeah. So, I mean, so it could have been you. This could be you. Hmm. She goes, what would you think about working here this summer? Well, I was so shy. <laughs> no people skills. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> I didn't even think about I could say no or let me consider it or let me get back with you. I just remember on the spot going, okay. She goes, now, you'll have to be here like at five in the morning or maybe it was six in the morning. Oh, so heck. I remember. Right there, I'd be thinking, no way. I know. So I'll never forget this. I remember mom, our parents had a little brown Datsun. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. That's what I drove to work. And I remember getting up like before the sun came up. Oh, my gosh. In that summer, I think I only worked like part-time hours, like 20, 30 hours a week. But I would go down there and I would park on the side. And they trained me how to work in that store. And I, there was another girl there, Tanya. I can't think of oh, her last Tanya name now. Condart. Tanya Condart. Okay. <laughs> and um, she worked there. And she's like, oh, we're going to have so much fun. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, we would go back in the cooler and we would stock the <laughs> milk. And, of course, people were in and out. But I'll just tell you right now. And then they taught me how to cut the meat, the deli meat, and, <laughs> and clean the what's it, the meat slicer, oh, which gosh. was scary. It was yeah. sharp. Yeah. But the, the most terrifying thing about the job 
absolutely terrifying. Is it I the dreaded cigarettes? it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that. There was cigarettes, a whole wall of cigarettes. And I never smoked. We never smoked. Right. I don't even know the names of these stupid things. Here comes some old redneck in there. Give me a pow mow menthol double pack. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying it right. And I would start. Marlboro Lights. Yes. I, I just remember like non-menthol or menthol. I'm sure smokers out there are laughing uh, They probably at me. knew exactly where they were at, though. What? Probably could point okay, them out so to Okay, so that's you. my point. So I would turn around and I would face the wall. The wall of cigarettes. And I'm panicking. Because uh-huh. like there's usually a line of people yeah. waiting to pay for their gas, to pay for their Coke, whatever. And I'm like. Uh, and it never fell. Uh, a little to your right, higher, to your right, to your right, right, the black, black, no, green, green. I mean, they would like start <laughs> yelling out the color of the package or if I'm, go, you're hot, you're cold, you're, and it was horrible. I worked there all summer and I never did learn those stinking cigarettes. Right. And to this day, when I see all those cigarettes back behind the ca- uh, counters of these convenience stores, I like have a small panic attack. <laughs> That was the worst part of the store. <coughs> Sorry. And then at night, I remember going out there and like sweeping all the trash and stuff out of the parking lot. Mm. So I like the job because you get to see all your friends and people coming out. But another part of me, I was terrified because I was scared when there was a big line. And I was, and when I had to make a sandwich or something for somebody, I would like kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. And then of course the cigarettes were terrifying. So okay, so that was my first minimum wage job. But somehow I got through that summer and I never went back. So you did work the whole summer. I worked the whole summer. I do believe. Now I'm feeling so guilty. I guess I was I home know, asleep. Like, what were you doing? You Seriously, were I think asleep. I was home asleep. I, I don't even remember you being gone. I don't, I don't remember, remember ever waking up and going, "Where's Joy?" Looking back, <laughs> they had a big Slurpee machine. What was I thinking? I could have like totally, Angie, come down there. I could have like totally lured you down there. I'll get you a Slurpee. Yeah, but yeah. I don't remember you ever being in there. When I don't. I, was e- there. I don't remember ever seeing you in there. I just it's it's when you mentioned this when we were talking about doing this podcast and mm-hmm. you mentioned having that job. I was like. Really? I, it's, it's, it's like a vague dream yeah. or something. That's okay. What was your first minimum wage job? Oh, Lord. Okay, so my first one was Kmart. Mm-hmm. And you and I worked there together. Mm-hmm. Amy yeah. Bynum talked us into going and getting a job. So we wanted to move out on our own. Okay, this is right after we graduated. Right after we graduated, we I wanted to move this. out. So we had to go get a job. We was going to have an apartment, right? Yes, and then back then, yeah. Fort Smith had a Kmart. So they had a Today Kmart. it's a Sutherland's. And I remember thinking, okay, Kmart, yeah, that can't be too bad. And I remember they had like this really cool little... Um, concession stand, stand. and and, and there were at a, at one point they had moved it to the very back, yep. and I was thinking, now that might be cool if I could work back there secluded in the back yeah. somewhere. But lo and behold, I was so stinking mad. They made me into a cashier, mm-hmm. and you and Amy got to go work in the clothing department. <laughs> we got I to have work never, in ladies and I've never been more jealous in my life because I was I felt stuck so up bad there. For you. Yeah. I promise you. I remember I would see you with a line of people. Yes, and I'm back there like straightening clothes, check, letting people in and out of the fitting room. Mm-hmm. And there was a storage area above the fitting rooms, and there was a staircase that went up there. And this girl named Jennifer, I don't know what happened to her. She was from Spire, Oklahoma, and she talked like that. <laughs> I and remember her. She's I remember yeah. I had a, a number. Like, I was 10, 11. We all had employee numbers. Ooh. And Jennifer, Special. I'll never forget this. She would call me over the intercom. You know, I'm trying to be like this good worker. Our boss was real. Her name was Betty, and she looked like the big redheaded Barbie doll. She was, she was real tough, and she wore real powerful perfume. I remember you couldn't breathe. But anyway... <laughs> I remember I'm like straightening clothes and trying to make a good impression and trying to make everything look good. And anyway, I remember over the intercom, 10, 11 to the fitting room, <laughs> 10, 11 to the fitting room. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I go up there. I'm like, what do you want? She was like, come here. She pu- has me go up the steps to the storage room. She has stolen, it's like around Easter time. She has stolen this huge chocolate bar. Oh my I think goodness. it was a heart or something. Mm-hmm. It was huge. She's like, I can't eat this all on my own. Help me eat it. Well, I, that's stealing, of course. And of course, right away I was being convicted. Oh no, you can't take part in that. Well, peer pressure won out. She, 
<laughs> she broke off a big chunk of that chocolate bar, and I'll never forget us eating that chocolate oh, bar. My and gosh. I, Angie, I felt so guilty because it was stolen property. And we oh, would sit my. there and we would spot. Oh, there's a pair of binoculars up there that the security guards would use. Mm-hmm. So we would sit up there and spot on people with those binoculars. And I could see you through the binoculars checking out people sometimes. Oh yeah, it sucked. Oh, I'm yeah, sure it sucked. And here's the worst part: the lady that trained me. Mm-hmm. Think of like who? She, maybe she reminded me kind of a Miss Vineyard kind of mm-hmm. like our first grade choir person. Anyway, she, well, she was a teacher, but anyway, she was just picture this kind of real uh, stern. stern, strong uh, woman in her sixties, and and her philosophy was like. Uh, Kmart on Zero Street, Fort Smith, Arkansas is the best Kmart around and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. <laughs> and we are the best customer service and we have the best cashiers. I her. And oh my gosh, she, she all she did was trained new cashiers. Okay. okay so the guy, they, they partnered me up with another new hire and okay. he, I promise you he looked just like Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. And his name was Sean. That's all I remember is his name was Sean. He had curly hair and okay. the glasses. And he was I real. him, I think. He was real dorky but he was yes. real nice and she would just brag and brag on him and she would never say one word about mm-hmm. me and of course I already had low self-esteem and I'm like here I am having to work at stupid Kmart <laughs> and then she's like and she, but she, now Sean you've just got a knack for this you just now oh my goodness I wish we had more like you and just she would just uh-huh. constantly on on and brag about him and then, he, then we would practice with customers and he'd like mm-hmm. hello welcome to Kmart I'm Sean mm-hmm. and then I'd be like Hello, welcome to Kmart, you know, and Mm -hmm. I mean, I always felt like a big goober, you know, (laughs) anyway, and then, and I remember at one point, and of course I hated it, and then at one point I had this. See, I liked working at Kmart. Because all I did was stay. Yeah, you was up there eating stolen chocolate. (laughs) But anyway, so just the the one highlight I remember that was good was Mm -hmm. I had a middle, uh, I had this guy walk through my line, he was really nice, this middle-aged gentleman, and he said, you know, his, I remember you when you first started, I stood in your line and I waited 15 minutes because you were so slow (laughs) and I was like gee thanks he goes but now he goes you've improved a lot and you're just doing a really good job and I thought wow how nice of our customer take the time out to tell you that you're not slow anymore yeah and then finally they asked me one day after I'd been there for like several months they were like hey we're gonna move you to layaway and then Mm -hmm. my supervisor said oh i forgot about that my supervisor said every time i get a cashier trained that halfway knows what they're doing they move them to layaway Mm -hmm. and i was so happy to get away from that yeah from the registers and they put me in layaway and i loved it and i was like i forgot you you were back there i got to go upstairs i had my this it was a big like attic area Mm -hmm. where they kept all the layaway items yeah and i just remember whenever it was really slow i would go up there and i could see out over the store Mm -hmm. and then like you said there was there was a guy that worked security that would try to catch shoplifters mm-hmm. and the saddest thing i remember was a, an old man came through my line and he had shoplifted Aww. something well he took like a saw out and he exchanged it he put it in a different box it was mm-hmm. worth more Aww. and they anyway the guy our security guy was right behind him and, and basically said sir were you planning on uh, paying for that and mm-hmm. and you know this uh, this is not the saw that goes in that box and, and i remember the guy's hands was shaking and anyway oh. to this day that's a sad memory but it did it, he go it to does, jail i honestly don't know what they did i think because because he didn't walk out the door with it i mm-hmm. think there nothing happened past that yeah. point so hey can i tell another came yeah story? go ahead so it was after closing time, and all the customers were out of the store, and here we go back to Amy Bynum, and we, they had a bunch of merchandise. Did we mention who Amy is? So Amy was uh, our friend from high school. Yeah, that we, and we were we lived with her we in an apartment. Apartment together, yeah. and we all worked at Kmart together. Okay. Anyway, they gave us a whole basket of stuff that, you know, I guess had been misplaced, and we had to go put it all up. They're like, hurry and get this stuff back where it goes so we can leave. Well, I had on these really slick boots, like dress boots, I'll never forget, and Amy uh, had this big, huge thing of diapers. <laughs> and I remember, uh, I said, I'll put the diapers up. She was holding them. I said, here, I'm going out for a pass. <laughs> I run down the aisle, and she throws the diapers. As I go to catch them, those boots were so slick. Oh, no. I slipped backwards. I was right by the shoe department, because the lady that worked there saw this, and she told on me. My <laughs> head hit that concrete so hard that lady from the shoe department come over there and goes 
Honey, are you okay? I could hear your head crack all the way over in the shoe department. Oh, my gosh. My head. I think I, looking back now, I, I think I had a concussion. Oh, sure. Oh, because my. it hurt so bad. And then back then, I didn't even think about how dangerous it could be. And I had a throbbing headache that next morning. I had to be back at work early. Uh-huh. And we had our little team meeting. And my Betty, the big perfume lady, mm-hmm. she goes, are you Okay. Oh, and I kind of looked like, like, what do you like, mean? What, yeah, because I didn't know what she meant. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know she knew I'd crack my head open running through the store. And she goes, I hear things. I oh. go, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, she goes, yeah, let that be your lesson. Don't ever run in the store. I was Ooh. like, okay. And she was not happy with me. My other story is <laughs> I was kind of seeing this guy named Shane from our school. Oh. Do you remember Shane? Uh, oh, yeah. And... Su-su-su-dia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, why is that ringing a bell? Because he, like he said that song reminded him of me one time. Oh, because he liked you for a while. Just for a little while, but then but then he really liked you. So, yeah, okay, well, anyway, I didn't even know he was in the store. He was oh. there with, like, a, his mom, I think. Hmm. And you remember how we used to have to do those blue light specials? <laughs> <laughs> I never had to do one. Did you have to announce them? Yeah, so <laughs> what they do is they give you this thing to read off over the intercom of the host stores, like, Today's special is two pairs of socks for $5. Please come check it out at our blue. And they would actually do this blue yeah, light. Yeah, there would be a blue light. Blue and wherever the blue you, light was, you would go yes, find it. And that was, would be where the big... Yeah. They had blue light specials. And if you saw a blue... Almost like just a... Just picture, like, like, a police car. picture like a police light. And yes. it's in the middle of the store just blue. Then people are going to run to that light yeah. because that means like the best deal in the store. Yeah, it's kind of like a doorbuster. Well, they or had me yeah. read this blue light special. And at the end, you know, I told what the special was. And I said, thank you. Thank you. And I hang up the phone and turn around, and Shane had been standing behind me the whole time. He goes, you're welcome. And I bet my face turned 10 shades of red because he had just... Because you had a crush on him. Well, number one, I was already working at Kmart. I was embarrassed about that. Right. Number two, yeah, I had a crush on him, and we were just kind of starting to see each other. Mm -hmm. And then number three, he heard me read off the blue light special. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I guess that's all my stories about Kmart. Okay, so now I want to ask you, what was... what do you think was your worst minimum wage job and why well honestly the daycare we worked at Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the people were nice Mm -hmm. and you know the parents were nice but being stuck I had six months old there's like six they were all like six months to a year I think Mm -hmm. six of them and me in a tiny little room, mm-hmm. especially when we were like in college. For eight hours a day. And when we were in college, mm-hmm. yeah, we would, uh, especially in the summer, we would work all day. And, oh, that was tough. And I remember mm-hmm. you had three-year-olds. and it was, I had 13 three-year-olds, and 10 of them were boys. Yeah. It was 10 three-year-old boys and three-year-olds. I don't know how you made I don't even want to talk about that. Honestly, I have such horrible Is memories. Is that one of your worst? I mean, the kids were awesome, but I just felt like I... During that time, I was just—I don't know—I just think I was going through a lot, and I just felt like I wasn't very nice to married? those kids. Yes, I was married, and I was just kind of depressed because I didn't know what I'd do with my life. And I loved the kids, and I liked being with them. But honestly, I sh- that you know, I look back now, and I shouldn't have been—that wasn't the position mm-hmm. I should have been in at, at that time. Well, in my life. and honestly, I don't know what the regulations are now, but mm-hmm. I, that sounds like way too many for yeah, one person. Yeah, I just—it was just hard. That was a re- especially I if you're not you being really. Strong. Stressed out. I was and, always stressed out. And, and didn't you lose a whole lot of weight and you were super skinny? Uh, and, I don't. I just remember hindsight's twenty twenty. I know. But looking back at, at the state I was in mentally, and I'm not saying I'd ever did anything to these kids. We yeah. were allowed to spank their hands. Yeah. And I did spank their hands a lot. And even now, looking back, I feel guilty that I, I know, did that. We were allowed to spank hands, too. Yeah. And I remember uh, having a biter, a little boy. Who came, and mm. his mom would encourage us, spank his hand, spank his mm. hand. But it, and I would spank his hand every yeah. once in a while. But then I'm like, yeah. I know. I have a lot of guilt over I do that too. job. And I have guilt that I spanked yeah. his hand and it didn't work anyway. Right. I, I because I didn't aggression. know what I was doing. And see that right there goes to show you you don't want to put someone who has no training, who mm-hmm. has no has has never had experience with kids or yeah. training. You don't want them in a job like that. Yeah, I will so. say that's probably one of my not because of the people, but just because yeah. of the situation. Yeah, and it, like I said, I, these my we kids, worked they were just being kids, time. but it's just really hard to control thirteen kids. Well, that's know? too many for one person. Yeah, I agree. Way too many. So one story I did want to tell was I did take a job just real briefly at Olin Mills. And, oh, I and, about yes. that. Yes, and so that's Olin Mills, for those who don't know. It's a place where you 
well, back in the old days, you would go get your picture taken. You would mm-hmm. be photographed, you and your family. Well, that you know, they, they told me, well, it's just a receptionist job. Well, it was a receptionist, mm-hmm. but there was a catch. During my downtime, I had to make phone calls <laughs> and solicit people to try to come in and get their picture taken. Right. And the catch was... Hey, you get a free eight by ten portrait if you'll come in and do a sitting, which was true. Yeah. You got an eight by. But when they come in and did it, then of course they try to give you the package. Right. They try mm-hmm. to sell you a really expensive package. Mm-hmm. So I always felt guilty because I always felt like I was calling these little grandmothers mm-hmm. and like people who didn't have money, and then they'd be like, "No, oh, I get a free picture. Oh, oh okay, well, honey, I, yeah." And then every once in a while, they occasionally I would get people to come in. But the thing that I remember most about that job. Was you were supposed to dress like they had a dress code, and mm-hmm. and I remember I didn't have a whole lot of money. I couldn't, you mm-hmm. know, I just barely could afford to dress. You know, I'd try to wear khakis and a nice shirt or mm-hmm. something. Well, they brought this lady in from Tulsa, and I guess she was like a regional, a uh, sales manager mm-hmm. or something, whatever. And I felt I am convinced she was there to spy on me. Mm-hmm. I felt like she had someone else in mind for that job, mm-hmm. and she did, maybe the sales were down, and she felt like I was part of the reason mm-hmm. why. And, of course, it's true. I, I wasn't making phone calls as much as I should have because I didn't want to bother people. Right. And I remember <laughs> she went in, and she picked this office that was catty corner to me, and she kept the door open, and she, you could just see right into where I was sitting. Oh, and for about two hours, I could tell she was just sitting there listening to me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I picked up the phone. I started making my phone calls. Oh, I started making the sales Oh, it was awful. I was like, "Oh mm -hmm. my gosh!" Not only do I hate what I'm doing, but I have this snooty lady from Tulsa who's in there, (laughs) eavesdropping, and obviously, I'm sure she doesn't think. And then she mentioned something to someone about I wasn't to dress code. I wasn't Mm -hmm. wearing what. And of all days, I think I'd worn something maybe that looked was similar to jeans or something. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that's probably my mer- one of my worst jobs. But I also had some fun doing it. But it, yeah, that wasn't a good memory. To- this, this is just kind of depressing because most of my minimum wage jobs were, I hated them. We and most of them were very depressing. We both also worked at a factory at Whirlpool Oh, yes, we summer. worked at Whirlpool. Hot, miserable work. Oh, and it convinced me. I will say after that summer in a factory working in 100 plus degrees, up to 120 at one point for me, I will say, and, and, and getting gropped out by bosses for stuff I did not even have anything and to do with. And we need to mention right here, mm-hmm. our dad worked at a factory for almost 40 years, mm-hmm. and our mom worked at a factory for 25. Mm-hmm. And the factory we worked at was Whirlpool, which is the same place our mom worked at. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget one of my first nights, and I had an easy job. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I was making decent money, probably the most money I'd ever made at a job. Mm-hmm. And it was an easy job. But I remember there was a clock that was like two feet. It was on a pole right beside me. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the clock thinking, surely it's almost time to go home. And it had been two hours. I remember. And I, yeah, almost, I, remember, I wanted to die. I remember the time going so slowly. And I just remember thinking, how did our mom do this mm-hmm. for It gave me such years. respect. And when I worked at Ream, I worked at a factory, Ream, that mm-hmm. it's a national company. They make air conditioners. And I worked there for around 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell office, you. And, and I worked in human resources in the office. Yes, yeah, a big difference. But uh, I cannot tell you how many of the the hourly workers there made it a point to bring in their kids for summer help mm-hmm. because they didn't want their kids to work in a factory. Right. They wanted them to see this is not what you want to do. Right. Now, I'm not saying there are some people who love their jobs in factories. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, and I'm not putting down people. Because trust me, after working there for 15 mm-hmm. years, I have tremendous respect for factory workers, yeah. and we need factory workers. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, though, that most, for the most part, from what I experienced, most of them wanted better things for their children. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so do anything else you want to mention before I, I've well, got a little pop question? Quiz for I'm you. just surprised you haven't mentioned your Girl Scouting time. Oh, wasn't that a minimum wage job? Well, actually, let's actually. You know what? Is that part to, of the to, to, to end to end the show, I was going to ask you if you could name every job you've ever had in order <laughs> and briefly say what you did at each. I don't think I can, but I could try. Okay, let's just try. Okay, so I worked at Toto Poke. Toda poke. <laughs> What's the theme One song to that? Let's like sing it. Poke. I don't know. Oh, you don't know the rest no, of it? Oh, crap. I thought you might know it. Then okay. I worked at Kmart. Okay. That would be right out of school. And that you worked in the ladies. Ladies. Apparel. Ladies apparel. Okay. And then I worked at Whirlpool for that summer. Okay. Then what I did you do there? Whirlpool. I worked, uh, I made like plastic liners on this press and this 
guy walked up to me and goes, you need to be careful because people have lost their hands and arms in that. And I was like, okay. Cool. About that time, this guy walks by with a hook for a hand. Oh, my gosh. And he goes, there's one of them right there. I, and I thought he was kidding around with me. And, but eventually I ended up talking to that guy, and he had lost his hand in oh, a very press goodness. I was working. Oh, so you actually ran a press? Yes, I ran a press that made oh. plastic liners for refrigerators. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and then after it came out of the press, I had to lift it off, and I had this, uh, like, a box knife type deal, and I had to uh, shave off the rough parts. Okay. Okay, I'm getting wow. off track here. Okay. So All right. Whirlpool, okay. then I did, uh, while I was in college, I did uh, Windsor Park Daycare mm-hmm. for quite a while. From there, I went to college in Fayetteville. And I did another daycare, La Petite, or whatever, oh, daycare. Okay. Then I ended up at a Bible bookstore, Feed My Sheep, mm-hmm. which I love that job, you mm-hmm. know, just selling. You just uh, work behind the counter? It was like a Christian store, yeah. Mm-hmm. Worked behind the counter, dusted, straightened. I love that. I did love that job. Mm-hmm. And then after Feed My Sheep. Did you go to the Walmart home office after that? Yes, that's when I, good, yeah, I'm glad you can remember Well, that. I'm just thinking, Fayetteville, yeah. you had to have worked there. I worked at the Walmart home office for about two years in a cubicle, and that was a minimum wage job. Loved the people, hated the job. Then came back here, and by this time <clears> I had a degree to teach. But I, at that point, I was like, I just don't know if I can teach. I don't know if I can do it for a living. After my <laughs> student teaching experience was pretty bad. And um, I was looking for a job and ended up doing census. I remember one summer working for the census. And then I was helping our aunt clean houses for a while. Oh, I remember that. And then I just broke down and said, I can't I can't make it on these minimum wage jobs. I just can't do it. I have to. Oh, is that why you were doing those minimum wage jobs? Because you thought you weren't actually going to teach? Yes, I was trying oh. to figure out what to do with my life. Oh, I just thought you were doing that it, while you were looking for a job no, for teaching. I, oh, I didn't student, know that. No, after I'm learning my, so much after tonight. After my student teaching <laughs> I do not know my twin yes. sister like I thought I did. After okay. my student teaching experience, I was discouraged. And I thought, I can't do that the rest okay. of my life. I just can't. It's not for me. And but then I felt so guilty because our parents had paid for my a, a bachelor's degree. It's not ex- it's mm-hmm. expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. Very. And I was like, I can't. So I worked a few minimum. You know, I did the census. I was looking for. I was just looking for anything. There was just nothing around here, and I just bit the bullet and said, I gotta <laughs> teach. I just have to. And that's when I went to uh, Mansfield and taught uh, speech, Spanish, and English. And then I went to Greenwood and then Hackett and then back to Greenwood and just teaching. Teaching now for 21 years. Mm-hmm. I may have left out a job or two, but I think that's the majority of them. Okay. Can you name all yours? Well, I actually cheated. I wrote mine oh, down. No, so, fair. But just real quickly. So my very first job was Kmart. Mm-hmm. And for, we've already discussed that. And then I then I also worked at Whirlpool mm-hmm. with you. Well, you and Amy went so there we first. we had several jobs together. Whirlpool, yeah. Kmart, Kmart, and, and the daycare. daycare. Those were the three we worked mm-hmm. together. And I remember you guys went to Whirlpool first. I was scared to leave Kmart. Yeah. And then Amy was like, Angie, come on. We make a, a, so much we more, were money making there. more money there. We were making more money there. Yes. Well, we Kmart. But I knew it wasn't a full time, uh, you know, it was going to end yeah but anyway so you were probably actually the smarter wing because that well yeah, walmart was just a summer deal Kmart. and you know what a, one thing i forgot about whirlpool was i had a really easy job but i worked around i don't know why but for some reason i worked around a bunch of guys my mm-hmm. age and they were all summer students mm-hmm. and they were all these i don't how do i say this they were super smart mm-hmm. kind of they weren't how do I say this? I don't want to sound... They were kind of geeky, nerdy yeah. type guys. But you could tell they were all super smart. Yeah. And for some reason, at every break, they would all just come crowd around me. Well, I wonder and, why. The only girl... Well, I, I know. And I, that probably sounds conceited. because no. And I don't mean that to be conceited. But I think I was the only girl mm-hmm. in the department. Mm-hmm. And so, I, at break... And I, and I worked right by our cousin, Carrie. Oh, I didn't Yeah, know Carrie that. was right in front of me. Okay. And she would run the screwdriver. Uh-huh. And she would look up at me with all these guys around uh-huh. me. And she would just start laughing. And she's got. She, she looked at me one day. She goes, "You're just too nice." Uh-huh. I she, she says, "You're just really nice, right. like that." And I was laughing. And anyway, and then one night, one of them, one of them who was the stud of the group, and he was real short, but he was kind of cute. Yeah. But I didn't really like him. But anyway, he he and another of the guys come up and they wanted me to go see Pretty Woman. Okay. With Julia Roberts because it was had just come out. Okay. And I said, "Okay, sure." Well, I went out in the parking lot because we didn't get off till one o'clock in the morning, and right. to my surprise, Corby was waiting on me. We were dating. Oh. We were dating at the time. Okay. And I remember feeling so bad because I wanted to go with right. them. And I remember, and what makes me wonder, how could we have saw a movie at one o'clock I in the morning? Know. 
that doesn't make sense to me now. But anyway, I remember going to, I remember going back to him and going, I'm sorry, my boyfriend's here. I can't go. And they were, and I could tell that they were so disappointed that I, that I, that I turned them down that I couldn't go. But I was just real sweet. And to this day, I've often wondered, because there was like, there's two guys in particular that I thought were super nice. Mm -hmm. And they kind of remind me like the, not, not like Bill Gates, but I just guarantee you they have really oh, good jobs yeah. and are making like some big moves. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. I promise you they they made something of their lives. Yeah. They were just those type well, of people. Well, that's funny because I had several mm-hmm. guys around me that were paying attention to me. Once again, probably because I was the only girl in the department, pretty mm-hmm. much. And one of them was like a rock and roller. He had the real big frizzy fro, and he always wore like Metallica <laughs> shirts, and he would always come talk to me. And another one drove a car out at Tri-State, like, you know, oh, car no. racing. And he kept on and on. They were having a powder puff derby oh, where no. the girls drive. And he drove, he's on and on, want me to drive his You're car. You're bringing back so many memories. In oh, the powder gosh. puff der- der- uh, derby, and he knew that. I guess he knew Corby because Corby used to drive out there. And he's like, mm-hmm. you can race your, your sister could get in Corby's car and you can have my car and y'all can like race it oh out gosh, on the I track. Oh my gosh, I it was. His name was, um, oh my gosh, I I just lost it. It was rather, he was from Bonanza, I think. It's oh rather the tip of my tongue. John Hall? That does, does sound that familiar? familiar. It sounds very familiar. Anyway, I had the metal kind of rock and roll dude. Then I had this guy, kind of redneck car um I guess, car racer. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the other guy, but they were the three that would come over and we would always talk at break. Okay. So, and do you remember they would push the little cart around at break time that had like uh, oh, yeah. Cokes and candy bars and on sandwiches. it? sandwiches. I forgot Yeah, and I'd that. always go over and I'd always get me a candy bar and a Coke. Yeah, and I remember yeah. getting a sandwich every... And yeah. I'd go sit out where the big, huge uh, 18-wheelers would pull in, the big docks, and just to get air. It was oh. so hot in that factory. I remember yeah. I'd go and I'd watch the sun go down and eat oh. my sandwich and drink my water and feel sorry for myself because <laughs> I would be by myself, and it was so hot. Aww. And I just remember feeling really lonely. It was a lonely job Aww. when you work on those presses. Yeah. You're not around people. That is weird that they put you. It's just odd to me they put a young 18 year old girl on a press like that. But that's just. My but thinking. and those guys, I would talk to them every once in a while. Hmm. But I remember just sitting on that where those 18 wheelers hmm. come in on that dock at Whirlpool and watching the sun go down and mm-hmm. feeling that breeze come through and there. One other and thing, just kind of feeling lonely. And one other thing I remember about it was um, that it was so loud you couldn't talk to anybody. Yes. And that's, so. I know we're going on and on here, but that's another bad memory I have. Mm-hmm. We were at Whirlpool, and I had this boss. He was kind of mean. And, of course, once again, we're real timid, shy people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just coming out of my shell and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. learn how to live in the world. And um, he came over there, and he got all of our department together. And he was yelling about something, and he looked real mad. And there was an older lady. I'm guessing she was in her 60s. And I looked at her and I said, I can't hear him mm-hmm. because it was so loud because of the machinery. Right. And she goes, it's okay. I'll explain to you later what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And so a few minutes later, he got through talking. And, and she said he was just saying that we've let a few defective liners go through. And this cost the company so much money per liner. And, and watch for this and this. I go, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, a few minutes later, he pulls me over there and he goes, I don't know who you think you are disrespecting me like that in front of the whole group. Oh. Over there laughing and not paying any attention whatsoever to what I had to say. He just starts gropping me out from mm. one end to the other. Mm-hmm. I'm almost in tears because I don't even know. I'm like, he don't basically he said I was disrespectful, mm-hmm. uh, little punk, basically. Yeah. So I was a like, disrespectful, you were smart, spoiled, lucky little smart, like, mm-hmm. punk. And I was like, I was so taken aback, and mm-hmm. I was so, like, about to cry. I was so embarrassed I was about to cry, mm-hmm. and I was so insulted, because we're not like that. Right. We're respectful. We're like, yes, sir, no, sir. Right. We, mm-hmm. I would never have disrespected him. And the fact that he thought I had and was, like, chewing me out, and then mm-hmm. he just walked off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even defend myself because I was so shocked that he was accusing me of being disrespectful and not listening mm-hmm. to him. He thought, for some reason, he had it in his mind that I was over there goofing off and laughing right. and stuff while he was trying to tell us these important things. You right. Know? So anyway. Gosh, I had no I'm idea this bitter. was going to be such a good discussion. I know, I'm, I'm not bitter at all. I know. What is this, like 30 this years later? Up, I really do feel like I'm having all these horrible mm-hmm. memories and it's bringing up all this mm-hmm. like bad emotions and sad yeah. and, and, and anger and... Oh, gosh. Anyway, oh, here's here we another. are. We're at 53 minutes, I know, and I still and I have several jobs to talk about. And you're still going through your jobs. I won't even talk about my uh, venture job where my I found my dog ran over in the road. Uh-huh. And had it was like two days before Christmas. I 
found my little Pomeranian. She'd been mm-hmm. run over in the road. But I, I, mom was like, go to work, get to work, you mm-hmm. know. And I went to work and I'm cry- bawling my eyes out. I can't quit crying. And I had a boss there who just kind of scoffed and was like, what's wrong with her? Mm-hmm. And somebody goes, oh, her dog got killed. She's like, get over it. Oh, and wow. go really? work the jewelry counter. She and said, I, get over it? Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember, but it was something. It was very cold No compassion. No compassion. And wow. I know, she's just thinking, oh, some little drama queen. And I had to go out there and work the jewelry counter just an hour or two after I'm sorry, Chelsea. Yeah, this is awful. I'm I sorry, know. but we went from you want fries with that laughing our heads after they were venting about but our I'm just saying, here we There was like 50 people at this jewelry counter. I'm doing everything I can to well, not bawl my eyes out and show people gold rings. Right. And I, yeah, this is, these you know, jobs had some I do tough remember. Times. I do remember this. I remember mom telling me about Chelsea getting run over. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying enjoy went to work and mom, oh she was the one that yeah. pushed me out the door mom goes yeah i said i can't and i remember saying i can't believe she went to work yeah i really remember she, saying I, that. And, mm-hmm. and i know she was just showing tough love but yeah. she was worried i was gonna be late right she's like oh hurry go we'll take care of chelsea mm-hmm. you're gonna be late and go so that's work. how we were raised like yeah, even now i look back through. no matter all my jobs i've ever had i went to work sick i felt mm-hmm. like her. and of course everybody i worked not everybody i worked with but the certain people i worked with just really took advantage of oh, everything yeah. and here oh, i was and now i look back and I think, why did I kill myself and go in on days that I did I not feel good? You know, but that's just how we were raised. I you know, went I in no matter one what. Year at Hackett, you I didn't was, miss school. I you didn't miss work. Prided myself because I went the whole year without missing one day. And looking back, I'm like, those days I felt like crap, mm-hmm. or those days it probably been better if I had stayed home for the kids right. and not get other people sick. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. We we're yeah. on your jobs, and no. we're getting off on all these no. sob stories. I mean, there's lots of good stories in here to tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Kmart, Whirlpool, Daycare, Windsor Park, uh, Girl... Okay, yes, I was a Girl Scout counselor <laughs> at Camp Cajinio. <laughs> Which I have a girl in my class now mm-hmm. who goes to Camp Cajinio every Ooh, year, and we, okay. she showed me pictures, and I told her how we grew up or had a sister and how you were a camp counselor at I Camp was, Cajinio. I was. And I told her the story, which I, I hope you're going to tell. Oh, okay. So the way I found out about this job, I was working out at West Ark. I was taking a couple of classes. I was still doing classes here and there in, mm-hmm. to get the in, in ju- college. junior college at mm-hmm. West Ark. And there was a pamphlet in the dressing room from where I worked out. And it said, and it was about Camp Cajinio being a counselor. Mm-hmm. And so I went and applied and I got it. And I basically, I spent six months, not six months, six weeks mm-hmm. at Camp Cajinio. It's a little camp, Girl Scout camp in Arkansas, and the where they assigned me, I slept out in a tent every night across this little lake, and every morning we had to t- get our little canoes and row across the lake mm-hmm. and go to the main cabin where we had breakfast. Now, what are you, you want me to tell the story about the girl who woke up screaming? Yes. Okay, so we had, all, we all had camp names, and mine was Twinkie, of course, <laughs> imagine that, Twinkie, and one of the, the girl's name, uh, the other counselor's name was Boo, mm-hmm. and Boo had this uncanny ability. She could sound exactly like a mountain lion. And when I say she could sound exactly like a mountain lion, I'm not exaggerating. She she would do it, and you would literally, your eyes would pop out, and mm-hmm. you would be amazed. How, and you're like, that can't be a person that just did that. Right. So, so they decided one night she was going to do it with a certain group of girls we had. She she comes over and, and around, you know, we'd all just got down in our tents. Everybody's real nice and quiet. Probably hadn't been asleep 30 minutes. She comes over and does it. Well, one of the girls starts hyperventilating. Oh, no. And, and we cannot get her to come. We keep telling her it's not real. We can, and we cannot get her to quit. Finally, we can't we, convince we her. We cannot convince her it's not real. We finally have to. We then we start yelling for Boo, mm-hmm. like for ten minutes. Finally, she and she wouldn't come out no more. What mm-hmm. we did, I, guess, I don't know why. Finally, we get her come there, and we have her do it in front of this girl, uh-huh. and then she finally stops and she's able oh, to calm down. It's funny but sad. It's funny but sad. And yeah. then another night, a girl had had a a really like a night terror or a really mm-hmm. bad dream and she woke up in the middle of the night like three o'clock in the morning screaming mm-hmm. so i just woke up out of a deep sleep mm-hmm. three o'clock in the morning we're out in these very secluded woods across from not away from everyone mm-hmm. do not have a clue why this girl's screaming and i just remember running mm-hmm. out of my tent and i wore contacts at the time i didn't have them in and i remember i couldn't see mm-hmm. it was really dark and i just remember running toward her sound me and a couple of the other the other counselor that mm-hmm. i was with until we found her and and, and i was terrified because mm-hmm. i didn't know why she was screaming you know you you've heard some horrible stories yeah and she just had a really bad dream 
So. Wow. I just think it's cool that you took six weeks of your life to be a Girl Scout counselor. I loved it. Now, mm-hmm. the, some of the girls I work with, the other counselors, I felt like I was in that, you know, some of these movies where, you know, like you go to the these real tough schools and you're, mm-hmm. and you're thrown in with all these tough girls. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. I felt like a fish out of water, like mm-hmm. I didn't fit in. But as far as the actual campers... Mm-hmm. I, I bonded with them, mm-hmm. and I took to them, and they took to me, and that was worth it. So yeah. that made it worth it. And I'm not saying I didn't like all the other counselors, mm-hmm. but there were some of them that was a little rough around the edges that I just yeah. didn't really click with. But for the most part, it was Trying a good Trying to be ex- drill sergeants at a just, Girl Scout camp. They were just, they all had to have just some really rough lives, mm-hmm. and I'd been very sheltered. Yeah. And so they were nice, but I just didn't fit in with yeah. them. So anyway, but overall, it was a good experience. Okay, so then after that, I went to OBGYN and Associates. Mm-hmm. The name says what that is. <laughs> and I worked for seven doctors, and my job was to go, all the lab work would come to me. This is before computers, mm-hmm. okay? All the lab work would come to me, and my job was to go find the charts and put the lab with the charts and take it to the doctor's desk. Mm-hmm. Sounds easy? Right. Sounds easy. And no, looking it really back, doesn't. Before my job was basically no. going on wild goose chase every day, mm-hmm. looking for charts that didn't exist, or someone had tucked away in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. So the nurses, a lot of times the nurses would have them, the doctor would have it, mm-hmm. billing would have it. You never knew there was no tracking system mm-hmm. so my job was to basically every day go look for a, a, a needle in a haystack mm-hmm. every day looking for these charts i remember and you that, being stressed at that job and it sounds crazy and then i would have to run messages to mm-hmm. the doctors and i'd have to answer the phones and it was it was a switchboard that had like seven lines mm-hmm. and and i would have to call for the and one of the doctors had a god complex but now <laughs> one of the doctors was extremely good looking so i got to look at him every day that was worth so it. that was worth it so anyway from there i went to hocrock clinic radiology i transferred to there i was there for a while then from there i went to hocrock clinic human resources Mm -hmm. that's how i got into hr and then from there i went to ream human resources and then from there i went to i've had a lot of jobs and then i went to graphic packaging i worked there for about two two years in Mm -hmm. human resources and then i ended up at a a local fire department which is where i am today (sighs) the end i am jealous of i I love and i have to say all of it was worth it because i actually have a job that i absolutely love you are a rare what angie has right now is what i feel is just rare a job that's not stressful Mm -hmm. that is flexible she Mm -hmm. can take off when she really needs to. yeah it's very flexible it's very low stress Mm -hmm. very laid back it's right down the road from where i teach so what's cool is i get to go eat lunch with her a lot yep and i have a really good boss and i see where we work from each other yeah that's kind of cool that here we are 50 years old Mm mm-hmm uh it been apart from each other a lot throughout our life, like yeah. when I went off to college. Yeah, and all I always that. thought that we would always be doing something together, like yeah. we'd be in the same field, or and, and yeah. we we kind of went our separate ways. But but I really I think feel like cool if I had the... gone to college at mm-hmm. Fayetteville, maybe I would have done the teaching route. Maybe I don't. Know, who knows? I just think it's cool that I can I could lift up a few buildings and houses, and I could actually see where you work from where I work. Yeah. Yeah, That's I cool. agree. I agree. And it, I always thought in, in like doing this, like, but my favorite thing I've done so far in life, and I'm not kidding, is this podcast. Mm-hmm. I have, I've had more, I've, this podcast has brought me more joy than anything mm-hmm. I've ever done in life. And I, you know, of course my dream is that we could do this for a living, but yeah. you know, we're still having fun doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I'm just so happy. I think my dream job mm-hmm. would be to be a librarian mm-hmm. during the day. Yeah, podcaster by night. Podcaster by night. (laughs) Hey, that sounds like the name of a a book or a movie. Librarian by day, podcaster by night. Yeah, I think that would kind of be my dream life. So, or yeah, I I don't have to be a librarian. I could totally do this for a living. Okay, now do me a favor. On this, we are hitting an hour. This is Mm -hmm. an extremely long podcast. I didn't mean for it to go this long. And we've basically just talked about ourselves and our crappy jobs and our past. (laughs) Our but so we probably need to put a, a, a. not a, a disclaimer or a, or a, a warning. Here, yeah, if you that, don't want to, if you just want to hear about the book, it's from this. Yes, time you need to do a marker, and then if you want to hear about our crappy jobs, <laughs> it's from this point on. And can I add this? Yes, because no one ever does this, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Mm-hmm. We have a link that we put on our Buzzsprout mm-hmm. called. I always forget the name of it. Pipe speak. sound pipe pipe speak. I would love it if our listeners, someone would call in and tell us about your crappiest job. What is your worst minimum wage job you've ever worked? Now, the only thing is it only gives you 90 seconds. That's true. But I feel like that's enough time to give a real brief description of the job and why Mm -hmm. it was so crappy. Yeah. 
So yeah. somebody, please leave us a message on that and tell mm-hmm. us about your worst minimum wage job. Yeah, and I also want to play it. That that's a good idea, very good idea. And I also want to. I don't know. Did you know that Outsiders just hit uh, 100 downloads? <gasps> no. Yeah. Yay! So we our very first that's episode big time for us. that we ever published hit 100 downloads the other day and that's i know exciting. you know and for people who have really big followings that's like hundreds like, of thousands yeah of that's not a big deal but for us that's a big deal for us 100 is huge yes i'm excited so i'm very excited because we didn't even know if anybody would listen I know. so anyway i guess i need to quit rambling but that's it was exciting. it's been it's kind of been bittersweet talking about i know this. i feel like it's kind of it's fun to talk about your minimum wage jobs yeah. but boy it did bring up a lot of sad and bad memories for yeah, me yeah me too but mm-hmm. i i guess in retrospect you know Maybe what we can appreciate yes, what we have now what we can learn from this is and for everyone out there we just need to remember that these people who do these low-paying jobs um are, you know what we consider the lower rung of the ladder we need to really uh remember what they're going through yeah they're, they're just trying to make struggle it is struggle real. is real they're just trying to make a living just like everybody mm-hmm. else Let, let's uh support them encourage them and, them and leave them a good tip my gosh yeah leave them so, a good tip yeah. amen all right well um just real quickly are you reading any books right now uh yes right now i'm reading the how and the why okay. and a uh, matter of fact i think we're about to do another podcast Okay. Or are we? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know after it this is one. It's been long. Yeah. The how and the I'm why. reading the how and the why, and I'll tell you what, next time we talk about um, our books, I'm going to tell you all about it because it's okay. pretty fascinating. Okay. Yeah. I'm are reading, uh, I think I mentioned this the last time, but I'm still reading Paul Revere in the World He Lived In. Oh, okay. And it's been pretty dang interesting. Oh, maybe we can so, do a So, remember I told you that. there's nothing out there about our founding fathers as far as trivia? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm finding out all kinds of neat information awesome. about some of the founding fathers that he grew up with. Oh, cool. So, pretty interesting, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, I guess we'll get off of here and decide whether we've got energy to do another podcast okay. or not. Sounds so, good. So, until then, we will see you next time on Twin, Twin Talk. Talk.